Love Laid Bear Sharing the highs and lows of stories that matter to you. One conversation at a time. Good morning, good evening or good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. You are through to another episode of Love Laid Bear and I'm of course your host Dion. So yes, we are in season six now. Um, How have you guys been? Um, So the date today is actually the 4th of April. Um, So we are in the midst of like the second week of lockdown. So I'm actually recording my first podcast over my laptop. So this is like really exciting. A little bit, not scary, but I'm a bit like, oh, I just just hope it all kind of goes really well. So thank you guys for tuning into season six. I really appreciate it. Um, I have a really, really special guest and she's even more special. She's special anyway, but she's even more special because she is a my first kind of coronavirus pandemic over the laptop guest. And actually, she's very much a kindred spirit, I feel like. So I would like to introduce you to Jess. Hello, Jess. Welcome to Lovely Bet. Hello. Thank you for having me. How's your day been so far? Um, It's been quite nice. The sun's out. Even though we're not allowed to go out, the sun's been out. And it's just been, it's been nice to have the sun out. Yeah, even though we're not allowed to go outside. <laughs> yeah. So, so how? Okay. Well, just just tell us briefly about yourself. And we can talk about Corona in a second. Uh, where I don't. What would you like me to start with? Um. Would what, what do you do? Would you like to do? You know. Okay. Um. I'm so my name is Jessie. Um. Originally, a few years ago, um, I was on a weight loss show called The Biggest Loser. Mm-hmm. Um. I lost gosh it was around seven stone and from that I became a qualified personal trainer Um, I wanted to know more about the the body and I wanted to know more about health so I decided to do um, a degree in sports coaching but that was more to know about anatomy yeah so after doing my undergraduate I still wanted to know more so I decided to do my master's in cardiac health and rehabilitation okay fantastic so we're going to go into your story shortly. Um, how have you been personally coping with, you know, the lockdown? How has it affected you? I've actually had a really good period during this lockdown. I mean, I know everyone's having, um, some people have been coping really well, some people haven't. I, I've quite enjoyed it in a way. Um I've been working throughout this period anyway because I work for the the NHS. But during my time where it's like I've been at home, I've just found it quite nice. Like I feel like I've been able to really look into st- look into myself and yeah. look into mm-hmm. yep. I want to do. There's no outside distraction, you yes. know. Mm-hmm. So I, I've I've quite liked it to be honest. Have you? I mean, the thing is, like, I'm having an amazing time because like you say, like, I I really genuinely feel like that this is a time where we should take advantage of the space and the time that we have to actually work on ourselves. 
And I understand yeah. that not everybody's necessarily at that place yet. But um, I put, I literally put a post up today um, in response to a post that I saw kind of whizzing around in the last week. And it was saying, oh, you know, if you don't come out of this quarantine period with a new skill and <laughs> this and that and, you know, all this stuff, then that means that, you know, you're just not motivated and you have no discipline. Yeah, and I was yeah. a bit like... Mm, yeah, yeah it's somewhat but then actually there's another kind of side to this story so I put a post out today and I basically said that you shouldn't feel pressured to come out of this lockdown with a new side hustle a new skill or more knowledge because if all you can do is keep your health mental health intact then you've done enough yeah, yeah. and you know and the, it, that that came to me only because I was having a conversation with someone who put that post up on their whatsapp and it was weird because I felt pressured and I was like, oh, well, I've learned how to write poetry again and I've not written in 20 years. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And even though that, I, I, even though for me, that was literally just a, uh, just a thing. It just, it was just a little challenge that my friend made, but I felt like I had to say that I'd ac- accomplished something and it was ridiculous, yeah, you know? Yeah. I, I think it's just the fact that, we live in the Western world and I think we're very much conditioned to always be doing something. And I don't know if it, if it comes down to like putting something back into the economy and we've just been Mm -hmm. trained to be like robots constantly doing. And, you know, it's like, we have to be doing something and almost from school, it's like, obviously we, we have to have education, but that education is basically a training in a sense to be able to give back to the society yeah. and we are so used to that training <laughs> it just takes over everything in every day of our in every day of our lives and yeah I think during this period it would be nice if you was if you did you know if you was to learn to something if you was to learn something new but it would also be nice just to do nothing and to just be yeah exactly because the thing is we're all so different and, you know, I can think of a few people that I personally know who've got completely different circumstances. So I've got a friend who's got two children who are under the age of three and she's having to work from home with two toddlers. Now, aside from trying to keep herself sane, yeah, yeah. what time is she going to have to even have like just have the, the mental capacity to try and pick up a new side hustle, some more knowledge or something to that effect. Do you know what I mean? And especially yeah. when you, and I think, you know, a lot of us naturally are go-getters. And, you know, when we see posts like this, it can like make you a little bit inferior, you know, or you've, you know, I know people who, for example, suffer from really, really bad depression um, yeah. and they live by themselves. So putting them yeah. into further isolation has the potential to be quite harmful. Yeah. You know? I, I think that depression, I mean, I've got a friend who's got um, depression and I know we've, me yeah. and her, we've spoken about this depression before and having a, you know, having a diary and having dates in the diary to look forward to would help her, you know? So I know during this period now, it's quite hard because keep her having an active social life did help with her depression Mm. so 
this period for her, like it's, it's different for everyone, but this period for her is really, really difficult. Um, I can imagine, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I was telling her about there are some live events and stuff, but obviously it's, it's not the, it's not the same. No. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's like every, every, and you know, another point actually, people with autism. Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Their routine, you know, they're used to having a, a regular routine and, and now it's been broken and you know that could be very distressing for them so I, I it, it can really go either way some people are really really liking it and some people you know it's a nightmare for them. yeah because yeah. I mean I guess imagine you're a parent or a carer for someone who has autism yeah you're having you're having like I know it's like personally how exhausting my daughter's tantrums can be sometimes and they don't last long but I don't know why they just seem to suck out a lot of energy from me even though it's not me who's doing the kicking and screaming and that kind of stuff so imagine a a child with autism like you say he's been completely thrown out of routine that's going to be that's going to be a lot for them and for their parent or carer so um if if you if you are listening and you know if this is resonating with you then you know um I'm sending, well, we're both going to send um, lots of love and positive energy towards you um, just to kind of keep you up. Um, so, yeah, Jess, let's get back to you. So where does where does your story start, would you say? Um, I would say it starts from about four years old. Um, and the reason it starts there is because that's when I knew that I wasn't the healthy a healthy weight for a normal person for a normal child. Um, so I would say it starts around there. Um, yeah, I know. I know. Around four, obviously, children can be mean, and I, I was never bullied because I was quite a bullshy person. Right. Okay. But. I think weight actually, I think being overweight made me bolshy. Um, because it's kind of like if you are different, then obviously your people will laugh at you or people will tease you. Um, which is just, you know, that's that's children being children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but around four year around four, that's when I knew obviously that I was bigger I was bigger than all of the, the children in my class. Okay. Um so yeah, I would say that's when my story started. So, so, so it was literally other children's comments, or was it comments from family members as well that kind of made you realize? Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely. So, um, in terms of like children, um, my nickname at school was like, you know, if it was like, oh, what Jesse is it? is it fat jesse you know it would be that like fat right, jesse okay. yeah um and thing, things like which is going to sound really silly but like doing things like kiss chase and it's like no one ain't chasing you jess like no one wants to no one wants to chase you in kiss chase like you know so things things like that where it was like okay i, I knew that obviously i was bigger, bigger. Uh-huh. yeah so how did that make you feel at that age, um, I know you said you're quite bolshy, but yeah, I don't think I was. I don't think I was bolshy to begin with. But what I've noticed is when people are um, overweight, I've noticed that they can go two ways: either they're very bolshy and out there, 
or they're they're very much shy and very introverted Mm -hmm. so with me it made me bullshy it made me I don't think naturally I'm an extrovert but when I was really big it made me have this like big bold personality this really loud yeah really loud really bullshy and I was very um I think a coping mechanism was being very boisterous like I was a a tomboy I wasn't a girly girl um and I wasn't feminine but I think maybe that's because you know over the years I wasn't seen as feminine or attractive so Mm -hmm. I sort of adapted this boisterous personality um yeah yeah so what now that you can look back in hindsight I'm kind of kind of jumping forward to jump back but looking back what do you think were the main triggers for your weight being you know for for you to say at four years old you knew that you were much bigger than everybody else um what do you think contributed to your weight um well it's interesting I I was brought up by my grand my nan and my nan was a was also like my nan's always had an eating problem she's always been obese so I was literally just following following what I had been taught I didn't know um that my eating was a problem which is really silly but I didn't know that my eating habits and how I live my life was actually extremely unhealthy because in my house it was very normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, now when, when I would compare it now with the knowledge that I know, it's like, oh my gosh, that is so unhealthy. But during those times when I was just learning, that was normal to me. Certain meals was, was normal, you know, not doing physical activity or any form of exercise that was normal. Um, so if you're if you're that they do say that you know childhood obesity childhood obesity does end up into adulthood obesity it's and it's just because yeah. you just haven't learned the skills and the and and the knowledge that it it um it takes to be slim which sounds really silly because slim people they don't they it's not something they they've um it's something they've been born into they've they've adapted yeah yeah they've adapted these healthy um habits from birth so they don't know the difference Mm -hmm. whereas me I know I know the I know the difference and I have to watch myself like it's very it's quite mentally draining actually because you constantly have to watch what you're doing Doing. um Mm -hmm. my, my sister's a counsellor and she she told me that from the age of seven most of your behavior has already been learned yes learned. yes and there's only a two percent margin that you can change of that so it's a very you know it, it's not impossible but there's only two percent that can be changed which I think is amazing I, I, I didn't know there was such a small um percentage that mm. people work with when they're trying to learn you know new behavior new behaviors yeah, because because from the ages of yeah zero to six seven, um, a child is in what they call it a feta mode, and so it's, it's almost like a, a semi kind of half dream like state. So, which is why you know it's important that when you're doing affirmations and stuff that you do it at certain times because 
your main your brain is more susceptible so from that in that period of time that is when your parents your caregivers are are literally cementing who you're going to be because all because all you can do is soak up the information that you get directly from around you so no I I totally I totally agree with that there there was a state I can't remember who said it but there's that saying you know children are is it a blank tabby oh god I can't think of the expression now it's gone out of my head but basically children are a blank slate so what you're saying makes perfect sense so after seven your behaviors set I mean it's kind of interesting because if you if you think about obesity if there's a lot of stuff going on at the minute saying oh is it is it genetic is it you know basically is it nature versus nurture Mm -hmm. but you know if at seven for for seven years you've got these really unhealthy habits ingrained in you how 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 hard is that going to be to change to change that in later life it's Mm -hmm. very very difficult you know no I, I definitely agree um so what would so say like when you were in your childhood to so say like maybe up to the age of 10 so what would a typical day be like for you in terms of what you'd be consuming age 10 oh gosh that's a long time ago um or just an, or just childhood just generally like can you can you think yeah, about like okay, what? well I could like my nan every time my nan would go to fill like this is a memory that I have mm-hmm. anytime my nan would go to put petrol in the car she would always come back with something like whether it be a chocolate bar, a crisp, like my nan could not go into the shop and come out empty handed. She would have to come out with something. Something in her hands. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really strange because like I have to watch myself when I go to the petrol station, I will literally Mm. look at the sweets. Like I really want them and I don't want them. It's just like, um, um, like a pattern that would occur and I just remember it you know and I have to stop myself like no Jesse, you don't need that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so that's something I can definitely remember um I don't really remember much greenery on my plate and something like if I had like a jacket potato that would be like classed as a healthy meal because in my house <laughs> yeah. like, potatoes are vegetables yeah so <laughs> That'd be like, oh my gosh, we're really picking out the boat here. Um, and things like wholemeal bread, that would mm-hmm. be considered a diet food in my house. Like, yeah. Whereas wholemeal bread, you know, bread in general. General, is yes, is the devil. It's not a diet food at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be like, oh my gosh, she's she's really trying. She's had two slices of wholemeal bread today. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that would be like you're on a diet. So, um, yeah, that's what I can sort of remember. Um, so were your portion sizes, do you think your portion sizes were maybe too big for your age or? Definitely. I think my portion sizes were too big. I don't think I exercised. Um, I think as well, like my, my nan, she's she's of Italian descent. So she's, she loves carbs. Like every yes. meal mm. has carbohydrates and mm. she has to have them, you know, whether it's rice, bread potatoes you know it has to have some form of like carbohydrate so yeah I I mean growing up I used to love carbs absolutely love them um but really yeah that's the thing I guess I guess also as well because I'm just thinking so my family's from a Jamaican background and um 
yeah, like carbs would usually make up like about about half of your plate. And and not to say that the the plate is spilling over, but half of it would be carbs. You'd have a quarter veg and then a quarter (laughs) of your protein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of it is carbs. And um, the thing is as well, I don't recall like having like healthy carbs either. Like say for example, um, pasta, like that's wheat. Like that's yeah. been made from wheat. It's not. It's not really a veg. It's not a. You know. It's not. There's no veg in it. No. It's. It's a very much a processed food. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even with rice, you know, rice, white rice is so far removed from the original. Original, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's just. It might as well just be like sugar, like sugar yeah. in a way, because that's what it's broken down Don't into. You. You know? mm-hmm. It's and a simple, especially white rice. It's sim- It's a simple carb. Yeah, and I th- and and I'd be interested, to, interested maybe towards the end of the episode to kind of maybe talk about that because I don't think people necessarily understand what happens to certain foods when they are actually broken down. But we can we can yeah. go into that a bit later actually because yeah. I think it would be worth for you just to share a bit of you know knowledge that you do have. Sure, sure. Well, you know, there's one thing that always sticks out. Um, do you remember when in in science and did you ever do that experiment where you have to chew the bread to taste sugar? Did you ever do that? No, but but I think I've heard of it. I don't recall doing it in science. No. Yeah. So. Um, like in science, we had we had to do this thing where you take a bit of bread and you chew it, and then obviously there's something called am am I can't even pronounce it now amylase, which basically breaks down the bread. Um, but when you're chewing it, you can really taste the sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, which, to be honest, when you look at breads, especially white bread, that is what it's broken down into. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, I always remember. I know other people have done that experiment as well. Um, but yeah, we can definitely talk more about it. Okay, good. So, why do, why is it? Do you think that you weren't encouraged to? So, did you not do any like after school activities or partake in any kind of like, you know, any um, sports at school and stuff like that in the playground? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, one thing is because I started to get very boisterous. Um, I did, I used to love sports. Like I always was like, I was on the girls football team. I was on the girls basketball team. I was, obviously I was bit, like when I think of my big persona, I always think of Miss Trunchbull. (laughs) (laughs) That to me, her and Bruce are two characters, yeah, that I can identify with fully. But um, I I see myself as like a little mistrunchable because I was I was on the the shop book team in secondary school. Okay. And, um, I was like, yeah. So I was I was physically active in a sense, but they were always boisterous kind of sp- like sports, if if you know what I'm saying. They mm-hmm. weren't. It wasn't like oh, you know, I was on the netball team or gymnastics. No, it was like shot put, football, you know, that sort of stuff. Um. Because I I really did enjoy sports, um. But that I think that started in secondary school. In primary school, I was, you know, I was always playing out, and I was I was like a boy in a sense. So I was doing stuff, but 
it it wasn't like my nan would be like oh here's a pound go out and play so I would be out playing and we would play sports in that way if that makes sense mm-hmm. but it wasn't something that my family you know you've got them posh families and it's like oh you know the mum is going for a jog round round the park so it wasn't it wasn't that so um yeah I'm trying to think there's actually no one in my family that is into any health and fitness at all no one no yeah so considering then that you were quite active then why do you think that didn't um help in terms of your weight then because it wasn't if you if you think of like a, a seesaw it wasn't a balanced seesaw so it wasn't like okay so I was physically active and you know I was eating healthy I feel like this the seesaw was very uneven because I was eating weight I was consuming more energy than I was burning out so it was, mm-hmm. it, it was it was never it was never even. It was always going to be unbalanced. And obviously, if it's unbalanced, that means it's going to be um, gaining weight. And what happened was over time, I just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until I was about eighteen, nineteen. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm nineteen stone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and the thing that happens, it it happens very slow, not very slowly, but. It, you don't realise how much weight you're putting on. Yeah, it, until it finally catches up with you, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, until you take a picture and you're like, oh my yes, gosh, who's that? Yeah, what that happened? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... So when you yeah. were so when you're in secondary school, um, and obviously, you know, you're, you're, getting, you're getting into, like, teenage age and everyone's talking about boys and girls and da-da-da-da. Yeah. How did that affect you in terms of the attention maybe that you might have got oh yeah that affected me really badly to be honest um not that I would ever show it but that 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 period that teenage period of like boys and stuff I no boys was in like no boys was really interested in me like I wasn't perceived as attractive at all um which I can, you know, I can understand, especially in those, 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 those years, you know, you've got, you're, you're taught what is attractive, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you don't really know yourself, what you like, and, you know, so during those times, I just wasn't what society would call beautiful or, or nice, and I believed wholeheartedly that I wasn't attractive at all. But what I find the problem is, is that if you've been thinking that way for very for a very long time, it's very very hard to reverse. I feel like it's different if you were if you once felt that you was attractive, mm-hmm. and you know now you're big. You know your 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 thinking might be different. But if you've always never been attract like attractive to people, it's very hard for you to change your exterior, but and and it's very hard for you to change your exterior and your interior at the same time, if mm, that makes sense. Yeah. So even though you look a particular way on the outside, how you feel on the inside is just not the same. Did you did you ever catch up? Have you caught up? Um Yes and no. So like I know I'm an attractive woman, 
but I don't have that sort of like, oh, I'm the best thing since, you know, since sliced bread. Like, I don't think I'm better than anyone else. I just think, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Like, I'm all right. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, I'm not, I'm not, you know, 100% confident. Not as much as I would like to be, if I'm being totally honest. Yeah. But I do think I have made peace with certain, with, with certain situations and certain things. If that makes sense. What do you think? What do you think the hardest thing has been for you to make peace with? Um, I think the hardest thing is actually how can I put it? I would definitely say the hardest thing for me has been to just give yourself a break, mm-hmm. like the whole the whole time, especially after I'd lost the weight, I was so obsessed with a number on the scales, with a clothing size, with how I looked in the mirror. I mean, it didn't matter what number I said on the scales and what size I wore. In my mind, I was big. I was humongous. I was the biggest girl. Like, even when I was a size eight, I was the biggest girl in the room. Like, I think that was the hardest thing. Yeah, that was the hardest thing to put to bed. And that's just because my mind hadn't caught up with, you know, what, what, what's going on. I, you know, I'd been the big girls, fat Jesse, you know, instead of, instead of guys reaching to give me a hug, I, you know, I'd get that, that sort of punch, like what's going on Jess? Like, like a boy, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then mm-hmm. when I've lost weight, all of a sudden people are seeing me as a girl now, like males are seeing me as a girl or, you know, someone's giving me free entry to, they want to give me free entry to their to their club now whereas before we don't want you in here (laughs) we don't want we don't want this big girl in here she's bringing down the reputation of the club don't let this girl in and now it's like oh my gosh you need to come was that was that that your experience yeah yeah yeah, really yeah yeah I've had that before especially with those clubs like which is why I can't stand them as well. You know those clubs in um, Mayfair? Yes. Um, they have a look, you know. They they don't want you to be, you know, big. You, you can't be too big. You can't be too dark. You can't be, you know. So I just didn't fit. I, I couldn't go, say, to, to Mayfair at that size and think that I was getting in the club because they don't want that sort of look in their club, you know simple as I mean mm-hmm. I, I did experience trying to get into somewhere and it was like no yeah I, th- I think sometimes and I'm, I'm actually glad we're having this discussion because I think sometimes some people probably have no idea about how things affect different people because I mean I you know I remember a few years ago there was a whole um situation with district and the the, the, from the four girls that yeah. were trying to get in and they yeah. were kind of like no I can't remember what they said, but basically that because they're black, too, they were dark. They, yeah. they were too dark or something. They said, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know. And then, but then you you still have you still have you know some random girl being like, well, I'm dark skinned and I've got in before, but at the end of the but day, the question is, Dion, why would you like? The thing is, these clubs, I feel like it may they have this thing where it's like they want to be. Actually, I think people have a thing where it's like the more exclusive something is, yes. the more they want it. Yes. So, you know, 
the fact that it's almost like this is an exclusive club and if you don't look like this, you can't get in. It's like people want to get in there more. More, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where really it should be, you know what? I don't like, you know, what you stand for. I don't want to come to your club at all. You know, it should it should be that, you know. I wouldn't I wouldn't dream of I wouldn't give this district my money. You know? No, never, never. And this is the thing, like, I mean, I don't even know how much more older I am than you, but um, you know, I I stopped going to those kind of places a very very long time ago um but it was it was never because I didn't get in it was just more um I don't know just the feeling I kind of got that my presence just as a black woman wasn't appreciated so I just kind of felt like well you're never gonna get my money so again and I and I literally just 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 never went so you know I'd I'd rave in in city and stuff like that but West End I don't think really saw me again after the age of like 20, maybe 25, 26. I don't think they really yeah. saw me again after yeah. that, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So, okay. A, oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, I don't know. There's a really, she's really beautiful. I can't think of her name. Um, there, she's a bit, she's a, she's a plus size model and she's gorgeous. And um, she, there was a thing, I don't know if you saw it, and she was trying to go, I think it was to Future's party. Future had a party. And he said, basically, he don't want no big girls at the club. I so think I heard about had, this, yeah. Yeah, so she had to turn around and she went around to go in. And she was doing, you know, she was doing a video and it, it, she was basically saying, you know, F, F your club and all this kind of stuff. And I saw, like, I had been through that, like, a similar experience. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and the thing is, I know that she... I don't, you know, I don't know her personally, but she, you know, she she did seem to seem not bothered, but maybe when she goes home, home. And she's by herself, mm-hmm. it might be a totally different situation, you know. Um, yeah, it it it, it wasn't it wasn't very nice to be fair. So we're in your teen years now. So did you? How old were you when you kind of had your first boyfriend and officially started dating and stuff like that? Um, I had my first boyfriend at 17. Okay. Yeah. Um, 17 was when I first had... Um, yeah, my that was my first relationship. It didn't last very long. But, yeah, around 17. And it's funny because... Well, I suppose you're young in it, but now... Well, this was a few years ago, but... I would never date him now. <laughs> I would never <laughs> date him now. <laughs> Why not? Oh, oh no, it's just yeah, every everything, like every yeah, everything. I swear I just put it down to being young. Being young and having slim pickings, to be honest. <laughs> Considering that you were saying that, you know, boys you didn't feel like boys were ever interested in you um prior to then. Yeah. Do you feel like that maybe maybe you settled a bit just because someone was showing well, like, interest? My first my first boyfriend was Jamaican, and when I mean Jamaican, I mean like he had not been in the country for very long. Right. Like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> and obviously, like like big women. Well, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, that was my first experience of having a boyfriend. 
Um, I mean, Jamaican men are great for the confidence, you know, to be honest with you. <laughs> listen, they got confidence for days, you know. You can't tell them they don't look good. You can't, you can't tell them they don't look nice. I love their confidence, to be fair. Why do you think they have they have that and we don't? Um, I think, see, well, so my family are Jamaican, right? So I feel like there's an element of that that I do have myself though still I think that Jamaicans um I do you know what it is like you could you could literally have nothing you could be the poorest man but you I don't I don't I you know what I actually don't know what it is I don't know what it is but like the confidence levels, you know, as 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 a nation or a culture, is is actually quite high. Like you can't self esteem. I don't I don't know if self esteem is somehow really drummed into them from childhood, but you know, even even living under the worst conditions, you know, you know, a lot of people got severely beaten and stuff like that by their parents and whatnot, blah blah blah. There is still this level of you are not better than me. Yeah, it's just ingrained. Like, I mean, if you if you look at like say Jamaican women who are big, like you know the plus size women, listen, there's nothing you can tell them. You no, know, no, no, they no, no. be big like whatever they want to be big like. They will still come out in their bikini, in their whatever they want to wear. Yeah, like that takes some serious confidence. But I, I, I mean, I, I I think I think the UK though, I I, I must admit especially with social media, I do think, like, like plus-size women in the UK, like, the young... Like, for, let me talk for, from my experience, but the younger generation, they seem to be quite confident. Like, from what it seems, like, in terms of, like, the posting, like, they will post themselves in a bikini. Kini, or yeah, and crop tops and stuff. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. And even even the models now for like pretty little thing and stuff like the models are actually plus sized, yes. and that was never normally the case. And a, yeah, yeah, ASOS as well. I think um, I think in Jamaica, I think the women are are very confident because they're simply allowed to be. You know, there isn't they. I feel like I feel like nowadays I probably may be so mm, I think it's been creeping up in the last like maybe 10 to 15 years um where they they're kind of more aligning themselves with the western ideals um not to say that Jamaica's never had a colorism issue because of course they always have but in terms of how men like and prefer their women they like their women with a bit more meat and I think that again might might just come down to a psychological thing because um in in times of like in hard times and poverty, men naturally are more drawn to women who have a bit more meat on their bones. Because do you know what's interesting, Dion? Okay, so do you know there was a, a study? This is really interesting. There was a study that was taken, um, and it was basically about the male attraction to women and weight. And for for I can't remember the name of it, but they got some contestants, uh, some um, participants. They got them to sort of not eat, and what they found was those contestants who were hu- who were hungry actually preferred bigger sized women mm. in comparison to thin women. I mean, I, I think I think that is so interesting. Like you know, yeah, I, 
suppose I suppose as well, if you are a plus size woman, it could I mean, I know in India they also prefer bigger women. Oh, do and, they? I thought really yeah, yeah, like when when I mean bigger women, I don't I mean like maybe 14, 16 around that size, because they see it as wealthy. Like the bigger you are, it's like you're a wealthy woman and they see that as very attractive um in India. That's, From what that's interesting. when I was talking to someone, yeah, hmm. I heard them say that. Because because when you look at even Asian media, you know all of their all of the women in the magazines and in the movies all tend to be very slim, um, and you know they have the whole colorism issue there too. So yeah, 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 that's very interesting. I think I also I also remember there was um, I don't know if it was a study, but they they said that the the more the more wealth a man accumulates is the more slimmer he likes his woman. So a billionaire, for example, is gonna is more so gonna go for someone who is I mean obviously this doesn't apply across the board, but yeah, 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 yeah. I think the thing the stats show that they tend to go for more a slimmer woman than a woman who probably had a bit more curves on her. But it's very, very interesting. So yeah, I think So is that is that someone who is born into like see that's where I found that would be interesting, is that someone who was born into money or had made their billions? I'm not sure, but I would be inclined to think it could apply to both, maybe. I don't know. I'd have to look that up, actually. I'd have to look that up. But it's very interesting. Because it's like, have you heard of that country, uh, country? Oh, God, I don't know how to pronounce it. And I'm sorry if I say it wrong. I think it's pronounced Manati. Manati. It's an oh gosh, it's an African country, and they have like fat farms for women. Oh my god, what is the name of that country? Um, so well, basically, I can't remember. It begins with an M, and I'm really sorry to anyone if I've pronounced it Mal- wrong. Malawi? No, not Malawi. Um, it's M A. Oh gosh, they have like basically what they do is they have fat farms for women because in that country, it's like really really plus size women are seen as extremely beautiful Mm -hmm. so what they do is like you know you might have you will send your you will send your child to this like um house where basically they will be force-fed to be fat wow to be big wow um it it might be dying out now I, i can't remember the 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 name of the the country but i know it's 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 north africa um and yeah, and in that country, it's like really, really big women is a very, very sexy thing for them, mm. you know. But I don't know why in that country that is the the trend. And then you know, I mean, the thing is, I think even if we go just go back to Jamaica, there was um, very much a trend in like the late eighties, nineties, chicken, chicken pills. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So um, being curvaceous. Um, has always has always been a thing but do, but what I also find interesting as well is that even when you look at um western media as much yeah. as you know for a while you know the I guess the very slender woman was coveted um you know when kind of the Kardashians kind of hit the scene and they made being curvy a good thing again so you were allowed to have a big bum and you were allowed to have a big breast but you just weren't allowed to have a belly that's the only thing yeah so yeah. so it's like yeah, yeah. You, 
and 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 not most people can 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 find that balance do you know what i mean yeah i mean when you look at I was having a conversation with someone one time and we was talking about fashion designers and, you know, how most of, mo- a lot of fashion designers are gay. Yes. Now, when you look at, no, no, dis- I'm not trying to disrespect anyone or any women, all women are beautiful, but when you look at some of these women who are models, to me, they have very boisterous bodies. You know, they're very flat chested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that you, you know, it's not, what you would um the clothes aren't yeah yeah they're not yeah they they don't design them for women exactly that that's yeah and you're you're absolutely spot on that's a fact that is literally a fact yeah and it 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 does you know it reflects that in the the fashion industry they put out this image of what they perceive as attractive and then it's like people are trying to break their necks to try to achieve that but you're absolutely right I mean the Kardashians obviously being curvy in the black like in the black community has always been it's always been a trend it's never really been out of fashion mm-hmm. but I think in the European in the European world when they came in that's when you would find that a lot of white mouths would start to find it attractive if yeah. anyone had a problem mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was never the case before yeah you know? mm-hmm. um, there's only black men and Hispanic men actually who would, because I know they like their women very curvy as well, um, that would find that attra- uh, attractive. Mm. Because yeah. also as well, the, the not necessarily the more curvy the woman is, but a curvy woman um, is deemed to be more fertile as well. So, yeah, yeah so it's all kind of like, I guess biological as well. There's some, there's something kind of in depth in our, in our, in our brains that, yeah. you know, make us see things a certain way. Um just a quick fact, um, you know the term, you know, like if you look at someone, it's a very old word, but you know when when someone would say, oh my God, that person's so shaggable? Yeah. Like, you know, having a shag. It actually comes down from your hair, like to your hair. So in the caveman days, they would look at your hair and it's like, oh my God, you've got very sh- like shaggy, um, is it shaggy hair? Like it shows that you have really good, in quote marks, DNA. If you've got like really oh, thick hair. Really? Yeah. So, that that That's term, so interesting. Yeah, it come it comes down from caveman days and hair. That's wow. where it comes from. Shaggable. Yeah. So if you've got if you've got you know sh- shaggy hair, it's almost like you're going to produce good children. You're going to have good DNA. So you know, therefore, you're shaggable. That's where it comes from. Very interesting. That is so. That is so interesting, <laughs> guys. You heard it here first. Okay, lovely bear exclusive. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is so interesting wow love laid bear you were on the show the biggest loser yep what made you decide to go on there what's the story behind that so i had already decided that if i wasn't to lose weight i would die of like a heart attack of diabetes I, I was definitely heading down that road um the thing is I tried so 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 many diets and the thing is diet industries they they make a lot of money of people not being educated so I'd spent so much money with things like Weight Watchers, Slimming World, the Chinese tea Anything that was weight loss, like, I guarantee you, I had tried it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like, I had to do something. Um, now, I wanted a gastric band. 
Um, but the thing is, they were about six thousand pounds, and oh wow, at the time I just couldn't afford that, mm-hmm. you know. So I, one day I was just sitting there watching the TV, and then the ad came on for The Biggest Loser, and it's like, oh my gosh, I've got to get on this show. So my best friend is also um, was also plus size as well. She was um, a big girl, and um, it was like, girl, we've we've got to go on the show. Like we have to get on this. So. Um, I drove to her house, I filled out the application form and it just went from there really. They called us in for an interview. They 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 said we'd be great for the show and we got on. Wow. So yeah. tell us your experience then. Of the show. Yeah. Um when the thing is like the biggest loser is almost like a fat camp big brother that's the best way to describe it because you're not allowed contact with the outside world at all um at all you're not allowed to speak on the phone you're not allowed to watch the tv everything is weight loss there's no contact with the outside world whatsoever um then all of our um we would we would train for about six hours per day so it was six hours worth of training every single day. Um, so how, oh, six hours. So how was that? Yeah. How was that broken up? Okay, so like you would wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. you would do your first session, you would go for breakfast. Then after breakfast, you might they always have like these little mini interviews to see how you're getting on. So you might do like a mini interview. Then you train again. So when you so when you, so when you say you, you train, what exactly would you be doing? Um. Okay. So. It really depends on what you have scheduled, but like the morning session, that's the session that we would do by ourselves in the gym. Okay. So and it's like there will be someone floating around watching you to make sure that you're doing something. Right. And then the other ones, they would be trained sessions. So I don't know if you've heard of Richard Calendar. No. Um. So Richard Calendar, he's he's done like um, he's done like a workout video with Jordan. He's a he's a like a celebrity personal trainer okay so like him he him and these two other personal trainers um rob edmund and charlotte um they would have like a session plan for you but every day would be something different you might not you know every day would be the like any one of those three pts would train you but you don't know which one is going to be and you don't know exactly what you're going to be doing uh-huh okay so that would be the next session then you would have lunch then you would have another session with a P- with a PT. Then you have your dinner, and then you have your evening session in the gym, and that's normally by yourself as well. Um, that was a typical day. So is that Some like days, so is that like an hour a piece, or? Yeah. Wow. So each time it was an hour, and some of the sessions were really really hardcore. I mean. I can remember the the first week thinking, "Oh my gosh, what the hell?" They was like, "Listen, you can't take this girl from South London. She's got to go home." <laughs> I was like, every minute, all you could hear is like, because they film everything in it, and it was a real shock to my body. I've never done this sort of training. I've never ate this clean. Like I was just so angry within this I was angry and miserable. So the first two weeks was <laughs> so every minute all you hear is beep, beep, beep. I think it made for great TV though. <laughs> yeah, it did. It really did. But at the same time they couldn't 
if like even certain things they they would like you know come in your room at 6 a.m and it's like right guys time for training and then it was you know like yeah, i would just kiss my yeah, teeth and roll yeah, over don't piss me off and it was, yeah, <laughs> like, it's too early and so that was a shock within the first few weeks that was like oh my gosh and then i would say around the fourth week and you've lost a bit of weight and you notice like right i can i can actually move my body i can I can run or I can jog for, you know, it, then it started to feel better. And then towards at the end of the process, where it's like, oh my God, I can run 5K, I can run 10K. Like mm-hmm. it felt amazing, you know, it felt really good, really good. So, how long were you on the program for? So all in all, six six months. Um, it's recorded, it's recorded over two months. Um, but you're on there. So for three, for three months, you stay, you stay in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have like the final show. So for, hold on, let me, let me say it a bit well. So for three months, you're in the biggest loser house and every week someone's voted off. Uh So you're either voted off or you're basically you're eliminated and you have to stay for the longest within that three months so with me I managed to stay to the end but I never made it into the final so when when you get to the last three months and it's like okay you have to go home and battle it out by yourself I never made it to the final into that okay but I did I was the runner-up um for the show so there was two different competitions. So if you didn't if you didn't make it to the to the final, then that means that you was battling for the runner up prize, which was because I didn't make it through to the final, that's what I was battling for. But those who made it to the final, they was battling for to win twenty five thousand mm-hmm. pounds. Um but it just so happened that I was so annoyed with the way that the show had been orchestrated towards the end because I feel um obviously now I, now I don't like to talk neg- negatively about the show because it's it's really done a lot for me mm-hmm. but at the time I felt like they had orchestrated it so that I never made it to the final like they oh, didn't okay. want me to win like that's kind of how I felt because they had with every single biggest loser they normally have a theme and for some reason, the year that I was going to make it to the final, they decided to change the rules. So that meant I never got through. So I was so angry that they had decided to change the rules that I just went absolutely ham with my weight loss. And then it turns out that even though I wasn't battling for the £25,000, I actually lost more than everybody on the show. So, so, you, were actually, so you were actually the biggest loser, but you didn't win. Yeah ridiculous yeah. ridiculous I lost I lost the most so even the person who won the 25 grand I lost more weight than him wow. so you know if you was to ever see the episode you would see that I have the highest weight loss percentage but in in a sense I'm actually very grateful that that happens because if I wasn't so angry I don't think I would have worked as hard as I did so in a way it really helped me and how much did you lose in total? Uh, seven, seven stone, just over seven stone. In six months. In six months. Yeah. Guys, Thank can you. we give her a massive round of applause, please? <laughs> that is astonishing. Seven stone. Yeah. 
Wow. It was so it was so surreal. Like when I tell you that moment where I had three months by myself to train by myself, I was fully addicted to exercise. Like I would run walk like I had a car and it was like, nope, I wasn't using my car. I sold my car and I only would get around by bike. I would run 10k every single day. Wow. You know. I was just militant, like I was, but it was, it was, my mindset was like, there's no way that I'm going to come back to this final, you know, towards the end show. And they're going to see me in, you know, they're going to have, they're going to regret their decision. Mm -hmm. Like that's the sort of attitude I had, Okay, which I'm grateful. I'm so grateful that it happened like that. Um, But yeah, I was just running for me, all of my weight loss, I would put down predominantly predominantly to long distance running amazing yeah so are you still running now yes I love running I love running um they've got something in run um with running called runner's high have you ever heard of that before no so I can remember the first time it happened to me and I was like oh my gosh so basically runner's high is like do you fall do you fall yes so yes yes I know exactly what you mean because when I used to run a lot um (laughs) a few years ago now it's way before I had (laughs) my daughter but yeah that 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 you're almost like flying you always like you you could go and just do it all again yeah Mm. it's like you yeah I remember getting that feeling and I was like oh my gosh like I just felt like I could run forever like and I was so deep into I don't know where I was like if it's like a a dream state and it sounds it sounds crazy because if you've never really run before all you can feel is the pain pain, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know all you can feel is the the pain in in the back of your throat but when you get past that point and Mm. able to run for a long time it it feels really good and yeah that that high is just like oh it's just like serotonin that's what it, it's just pure yeah and I remember fit, getting that feeling and thinking oh my gosh like I actually love running like and it, it's so stress relieving it's really stress relieving but it's not I wouldn't say running long distance running it, it's not really like 5k or 10 like 5k is my happy place and it doesn't feel like a strain on my body mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it just feels very nice it just feels really nice and relaxing I must I think sorry go on okay, no you go I was gonna say like I when I used to when I used to run a lot it was more I would more get the I'm not saying I wouldn't get that food on the treadmill but I found that outdoor running I think the combination of the fresh air you know even if it wasn't sunny I just think just the the combination of being outside for me made the experience even more euphoric and especially when I would um I don't know if you know Streatham very well but you know Liam Court Road I do okay so a few years ago I used to do you know where Streatham Common is yep okay so you know the petrol station is at the bottom of Streatham Common so uh, me and my girls um we used to start there we'd run all the way down London Road come up Liam Court Road cut across the common and then come back down again now I don't know if you know that bit on Limcott Road there's a very very sharp incline like literally it's like it's oh, unless you walk it wait you... hold on is that part would that be bit past 
Dunraven is all yeah, before. yeah, yeah, no, no. So past Dunraven, um, and okay. as you're coming up towards oh yes, past the petrol station, it goes up, doesn't yes. it? Yes, but there's like a very sharp incline for maybe about maybe ten meters or so. Listen, but once you got through that and you got to the top of Limcott Road and you're going across the common, like for me, that's when the euphoria would like literally just kick in. You're making me want to start running again. I mean, I need to. But like, <laughs> I'm just getting these beautiful flashbacks, and it was amazing. Do you know what? It's 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 kind of strange because obviously, like in my household, it's like you would look at you know growing up, you would look at look out like my family would look and see someone running, and it's, it would be like, look at this fool <laughs> outside they're running like <laughs> where are they running for like you know. And then I, I would feel the same thing and then I would run for 30 seconds and it's like, oh my God, I'm so out of breath. And, you know, I couldn't understand it. But then when you really start competing with yourself and those improvements mm-hmm. are starting to be made and it does, it does become really euphoric. I, I mean, I remember someone saying to me and it really helped. And it's one of them cliche sayings, but the biggest competition is yourself. Self, yeah. And so it's true because when you do running, like I had this thing where I was addicted to time like you know so I'd have to do five it started out you know I'd have to be able to run 30 seconds yes then yes. It would be a minute yes then two minutes uh-huh. then okay I need to be able to run 1k 2k yes. 3k mm-hmm. 5k okay cool so I can run 5k now I want to be able to do that under 40 minutes yes under 35 mm-hmm. within 30 and then when you reach those targets it's like, oh my gosh, like you feel so good. But when you, if you don't have any sort of like um, plan to begin with, it might be kind of hard, especially like say when I was, you know, those times when I would try and exercise and I would go to the gym, I would go into the treadmill and I was, I would watch what other people were doing. I'm looking at what they're trying to do instead of looking at what I'm doing and judging what they're doing it's like a natural thing you know it's like wow they're really running and it's like oh I'm I'm gonna run like that and I only last 30 seconds and it's like well I'm going home I can't do it you know but if you have a, a plan but it's like okay cool I can only run 30 seconds that's fine 30 seconds is fine I'm gonna be able to run a minute next time all right now I can do that and just sort of challenging your challenging yourself yeah. and isn't it interesting yeah. how quickly you can build yourself up because you could start off in the gym and only being able to run for 30 seconds. But then the next time you come back, you're like, oh, I've just run for 50 seconds. Oh, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and even, even, even on that same run, like sometimes I would find in my intervals, I could pick up my pace and last for longer, even on the same kind of jog and run. So it is just about just stepping out and doing it essentially yeah yeah it is and and not giving yourself not giving yourself a hard time and also having a goal like having a goal can really help having having goals uh, you know even when I did my personal training course they 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 would always say you know when you have a when you have a um a client you need to make sure you know that you have short-term medium and long-term goals you know they teach you that in business as well Mm -hmm. you know and it's so it's so true so you know if you are just beginning to run and you can't run at all you know your short-term goal could be okay to be able to run 30 seconds your long-term goal you know maybe to be able to run five 
five, you know, your medium goal could be able to run maybe five, 10 minutes. And then your long term goal, for example, would be, you know what, I'm going to enter a 5k race, race. and mm-hmm. I'm going to complete it, you know. And when you do that, it, it takes, it takes it off of, also it takes it off of weight loss. Yes. It's not so much about, oh my gosh, I've got to be a size eight. It's also about, oh my gosh, like these goals are actually really, um, I'm able to accomplish these because and that's another thing as well. You know, when you're trying to lose weight, you can get so angry and annoyed if one week you don't hit your target, yeah. you know, you don't know what you're you're going to lose, you know. And sometimes you then end up putting on a pound and you've been, as far as you're concerned, on your best behaviour. And that kind yeah. of thing can just literally take you take you off course. Right. So if you've got other goals that are there that can really help to keep you on target. I mean, I remember talking to a psychologist and she was asking me, you know, in terms of when I have like clients and stuff, I'm not, uh, I don't do personal training um, in a gym anymore but when I did she was asking me things about you know what sort of targets do I give and I was saying oh I use weight loss you know certain amount you know certain weight loss goals and she was like oh don't you think it would be good if you was to have other targets when someone's losing weight that are just that are that um that are not only weight loss goals and I was like do you know what you're absolutely right Mm. like why is it every week you're gonna come in and you're gonna get weighed you know it's like you could it's so not good for your psyche if you don't hit that target that week yeah it's not good but if you hit other targets and you know there's something called the one rep max as well um which is more like weightlifting and stuff Mm -hmm. like these goals that people can hit and they feel really, really good. Sorry, so although yeah. the number might not be represented on the scales, this goal that you've reached, it, it still feels good. So you still want to carry on, mm-hmm. you know? And also I think another thing as well, why we really should really try not to focus so much on what it says on the scales. I mean, I, lo- I know like for me, for example, when I was when I was running, when I was training at least three, four times a week, and I, I, I was very much into heavy weights, I, I think, you know, my goal was like, I want to be able to squat 100 kgs and do 10 reps. I think at best, I probably managed to do six on like a normal um, free weight squat. Hey, um, well done. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> um, and then with hack squatting, I could easily do over like 130 and then um like leg press I was just a beast when it came to leg press because, you know, leg, your legs are quite strong anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. But what I would find, and I eventually, I didn't give up completely looking at the scales, but I would build so much muscle that the scales are telling me that I'm not really losing, but the inches are coming off. They're falling. I can see it in my clothes. That's the thing. Like, with the scales, it's just telling you a weight. It's not telling you what what percentage is of of anything. Because what Mm. people are concerned about, they're not concerned about weight. They're concerned about fat. They want to know how much fat they've lost. And the scales is not going to tell you that. The only thing that they can tell you that is um, body fat percentage. You know the... Mm -hmm. um, you, you know that machine, yes, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's the only thing that can tell you that. What it does is it sends a um, elect- electronic current um, to basically through your body and then it sends it back to the reader. And how f- how fast that comes back will tell you what percentage is 
fat, what percentage is muscle. Um, so that is the correct, I would say that's the best machine to 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 use. So you know what percentage of fat you've actually God. lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the scales doesn't, it's not It's not telling you, it's just telling you a weight. Right, yeah, because it's incorporating your bones, it's incorporating your water, it's com- incorporating the muscle and it's incorporating the fat. So, right, you know. Right. Whereas, you know, people ain't, I think people ain't concerned if they've, people ain't concerned if they're the same weight. People concerned if they have the same fat level. Yeah. That's, that's what they're really concerned mm-hmm. about. It's not, it's not the weight, it's the fat that they're concerned about. Mm. You know, it, it, with that, it's, you know, if a, a bodybuilder was to hop on the scales, even with that whole BMI chart, I mean, I, I'm not sure if they still use it. I, I don't know. I don't know. They do. But doctors use it more in in like personal trainers. They don't really use the the BMI chart, but the doctors like to use it. But there's it doesn't tell you. You know, someone who is pure muscle could be classes obese. Yeah, yeah. But doctors still use it. I, I I don't know why. Most most um like gyms and stuff they don't use that anymore. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, they'll have it up, but most people like who know who know about the body you know about being my child who know about it they don't really they don't use, use that. it uh-huh. yeah it's not it's not there's not enough information there it's not you know it's not telling you enough hmm. so in considering you lost so much in a very short space of time did you not um end up with a lot of loose skin I did yeah I had I had loads of loose skin. Um that the loose skin stuff, that's quite hard to deal with. I'll tell you for why. It's because you lose weight and you think that you're going to have this sort of amazing body that you've worked hard for. But in theory, it's not like that because even though now you're small, it's like your skin is not stuck to your muscle. Mm-hmm. So you don't look like a normal slim person um which is quite that was that was quite hard to deal with actually because it's like oh my gosh I really want to wear a bikini I really want to wear certain things but in actual reality because of the way your skin is you don't well I I didn't anyway you know Um, so where were the main areas for you that you felt like you had excess skin I would say from my knees up so my le- my legs, my 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 belly, my back, my arms, um, like my private area, like everywhere, Ev- like everywhere. My bum was okay, um, but yeah. So I'd say my my belly, my thighs, my arms, my back. And do do you think um because it, there, there's so many different opinions when it, I feel like when it comes to sh- like sculpting the body and what have you, and everyone's got so much to say. Um, is there any way if someone was trying to lose, say that same amount of weight, is there any way they could escape that? Yes and no, like because your your skin can only be stretched stretched for so far for so long. Um, so I, I would, it all depends on certain factors, like how, 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 for how long have you been big? How big was you? And how quick did you lose the weight? 
those three things mm-hmm. because I had lost the weight so quickly that did that didn't help with my loose skin um because it's almost like you're not giving you're not giving your skin time to connect back with the muscle tissue okay it's just like you know there's filler in between and you've just taken out so quickly you're not giving the the skin time to connect back I mean that that was my understanding of it um so losing weight over a slower period of time I I have heard can help and also how obviously the bigger you are the more likely you're going to have loose skin Mm -hmm. you know and the longer you're the longer you're bigger the less likely it is to snap back as well because I've heard some people say oh you know if you do enough um you know resistance training you know medium to heavy weights you know you'll be fine that's one thing that actually really irritates me when people say that that because there is nothing if you've got loose skin like extreme loose skin there is no gym workout that is going to get that skin back all you're going to do is make the muscle bigger Bigger. underneath Mm -hmm. that skin is not going to reconnect to the muscle and tighten you're working the muscle not the skin they're two separate things Mm. I've had someone say I had when you when people say that it's, it's actually if you've got loads of loose skin it's like oh my god if you was just to train harder and it's like I'm already working out seven days a week like yeah. I'm doing more than the average person what more do you want do, me to do yeah exactly you know and then it's kind of I mean when I went to have my like my consultation for my loose skin like the surgeon told me straight there's there's nothing that you could do like it just has to be removed there's nothing wow. you can do there's no cream there's no lotion like that is it you know especially if it's if it's if it's extreme like you're talking you need a full body lift you know mm-hmm. a full body lift and sometimes people can have like 14 pounds worth of loose skin wow. like really mm. a lot of loose skin you know before I had my tummy tuck I would have to tuck my my loose skin into my trousers it doesn't matter what ab exercise I did that that is going to do nothing it can give me a you know my it can make my abdomen ripped the muscles mm-hmm. but the skin it's still is, there it's still there so you know what did that do to your confidence because I you know you were you were saying earlier that you know you had this expectation that once you lost the weight that life was going to be great so you, you've now lost the weight you've now been so did did the did the trainers in the Biggest Loser did they explain to you did they prepare you for this? No, no. That's one thing that they didn't do. I mean, one thing the Biggest Loser taught me to was how to lose weight. It didn't teach me how to maintain it as well mm-hmm. because basically, it taught me how to lose weight. You know, if you train really hard and you eat really clean, you'll lose weight. But on average, people don't train six hours a day. Yeah, people don't. Mm. You know, have all the. I mean. They had they had all of the carbs weighed out like it was a class A drug. All of the carbs were weighed out like cocaine. I swear to God, they were. You know, you don't do that in real life, you know. So it's like it didn't it's almost like I went from one extreme to another extreme. Um which is why in the end, I mean, in the end I ended up in hospital. Um I'd fainted in the shower and it was like I wasn't eating any carbs. They thought I had something wrong with my heart. Mm-hmm. Because 
my heart rate was so low but basically my heart rate was that of an athlete because I was training so hard but they had never they basically thought there was something wrong with my heart so they had injected my heart to speed it up oh wow but it just yeah it just turned out that I was so physically fit that I had a really really low heart rate um but yeah they they didn't they didn't the loose skin stuff no no one no one told us anything about that I mean my one of the my one of the my friends from the show he had lost an insane amount of weight and um he had really bad loose skin as well and it's so funny whenever whenever after the show whenever I would meet him he would do exactly the same thing I would do and it would be like yeah I've lost weight and then all of a sudden it's like you're pulling out your belly and you're pulling out your back to show everybody your loose skin and he started doing that like he was like yeah I've lost loads of weight but look at this and it's something that I would do and not even realize because someone would be like someone would be like oh my gosh well done you know you've lost so much weight and the first thing you do is I know but look at this and then it's like you start showing everyone (laughs) your loose skin and but yeah I, I didn't I didn't anticipate that part and especially with intimacy like trying to date someone I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do it I wouldn't be able to show them my body and feel comfortable you know so you so I take it you opted for surgery then I did yeah so I had um I still need more but I had um I've had two tummy tucks and I've had a fire lift um why two? My tummy tuck was botched, huh? Oh, okay, sorry. Okay, go on. Mm-hmm. Say, say that no, again. No, I'm saying why two, but you're just going on to explain, sorry. Yeah, so I had my, I did my tummy tuck um, abroad because it was cheaper and that's what I could afford. Um, So I did my tummy tuck and basically it was a, it was a botched job. Like, I still had like, if you imagine, so with a, with with a tummy tuck, what they what they're doing is basically the skin above the belly button, the skin below the belly button, they're cutting that away, and then they're stretching out the top of your tummy, and then sewing out a new belly button. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, if you have got loose skin on your sides, like on your your sides, on your hips, you know, everywhere else, even though they've stretched that skin out at the front, it's still kind of gathers in the middle if that makes sense oh, okay. yeah because you still got loose skin, skin around uh-huh. back mm-hmm. so it sort of gathers at the front so it was sort of a botched job and I was very very unhappy about it and then um they they sort of emailed me back and they said look you know you can come again we'll we'll do it for you again we'll do it at like they said something like 900 pounds and I was delighted I was like oh my gosh so I went and then they basically never did what they said they was going to do. Um, okay. They said if I want if I wanted a tummy tuck, I I actually needed to pay sixteen hundred. Um, and it was like, no, you were told me that you was going to fix this job. Then the the surgeon had basically told me that I should have never had I should have never have opted for a tummy tuck. I should have had a body lift. So, so I was like, well, tell you you that. the consultation. Then. Yeah, but they're so money grabbing to you online. It's like they they want they want the money. Like they 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 get you over there, and it's like right, we've got you here now, and we need. They want your money, so you know you you bring it over. Like I brought the money over in their currency, 
So it's like, once you're there, it's like they just want the money. They don't really care. Then she, you know, they she tried to do an interview with me afterwards saying, you know, um, based upon my opinion, I feel that you need a body lift now. And it was like, I was so frustrated. I was so angry. Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was botched. So <clears throat> even now, my tummy now, it's not, it's not a complete job. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not completed, if that makes sense. So does that still kind of have an effect on your self-esteem, would you say? Yeah, 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 yeah it does. Especially with, like, with what I wear and stuff. Um, so I hate talking about this, but I suppose if it's going to help someone else, I will. Um, so my private area like what you would call fupa, mm-hmm. yeah. When I, that area when I was big, this is, this sounds really disgusting, but when I was big, it was, that area was really big, right? Because obviously I was overweight, so that area was really large. And then obviously when I lost weight, that skin never connected back properly. Okay. So when they, when they did my tummy tuck, they never addressed that area at all. So it's like I've got this flat stomach and then that fupa area is like loose skin it sounds really strange but it's for me it's really I hate it like I hate that area Mm -hmm. um it just looks like a massive bulge like you know so yeah it it does it does affect it it does affect my confidence and what I wear and I, I even think it's affected me being a personal trainer because it's kind of like, you know, like when I was working in gyms and stuff, you know, you'd see these beautiful women and they're wearing their little two-piece. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. I couldn't wear that. And I feel like that really affected my confidence at being a personal trainer because I felt like people was looking at me. It might not be true, but in my head, I don't look like how they I look. look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my legs and my arms, they're not toned like that. You can't see the muscle. Especially, like, say my arms is full of loose skin. You can't see the the muscle definition mm-hmm. that you could see on a normal person. So I don't think I pushed myself in that area because I just felt like I couldn't... People wouldn't listen to me because yeah. of the way I look. But they would listen to her. The girl in the two-piece. Mm. So yeah. So you're not you're not you're not doing PT in anymore at all. Well, at the minute I work for the NHS and I do like basically if you've had like I do exercise therapy. Okay. Um. So say like if you've had a fall and you know you've just come out of surgery and you need someone to do exercises, I'll be the person that will come into your house and help you do those. Okay, and um, you're still working during throughout this pandemic period as well. Yeah. So what they what they've been doing, say they've sort of like, oh god, I can't think of the word, but instead of stopping our roles, they've sort of like used us to help with other things, like say like with people shopping and just to check in on people. Oh, okay. So I've been doing more of that. Um. But I only do like one or two visits a day, not not many. So I'll just go see if that person's all right. They might need shopping, they might need something. And that's pretty much it. Um, which I think is a good thing, you know. I, d- I actually don't mind doing that. Um, but you have, but that there's certain people that have been 
like nurses and stuff that was working in schools and now they're working in the community. So with some staff, they haven't, um, some staff, they've just moved them into other areas that they're needed or where they can help instead of like them not working at all. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what kind of, what kind of message do you want to, you know, give to any men or women out there who, are struggling with their way, um, you know, are suffering from low self-esteem, what kind of, like, words of wisdom, guidance, you know, or just even, like, emotional support would you kind of give them? Um, okay, so for, for weight loss, first and formally, I would say, like, really get yourself educated, like, on foods, the role of foods, what they do um really educate yourself also as well I would say don't go for paid diet like you know these sort of um businesses that their whole business is weight loss like herbal life or or um weight watchers or like stay far of those because for I'm going to talk for me personally they very much prey on your insecurity and it's not something that you can do for the rest of your life. I mean, the the Cambridge diet is another one where it's like your whole life is in sachets. That is no, not it, reality. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, it's not realistic and it's not sustainable. And, you you know, you start it, you, you can't attain it, you feel bad. Oh my gosh, then you try it again. That's what they like because it's like you're spending loads of money with them. Mm-hmm. So I would say don't do any business diets if that makes sense get yourself educated on your food the less ingredients there is in something like this is just general knowledge but the less ingredients there is the better it is for you um obviously stay away from processed foods and in terms of physical activity find something that you find enjoyable there's so many things like there's so many things to keep you active and I'm not this is just for general weight loss I'm not talking about you know if you're trying to be a bodybuilder Mm -hmm. or whatever I'm just saying if you just want to lead a general healthy life find something that works for you like don't don't start activities we've all done it you know you would get up one morning it's like oh my god I'm going to go gym at 6 (laughs) a.m and then you notice that you can't keep that up well don't start it then if you know that you can't keep that up don't start it because it just promotes bad feelings mm-hmm. and it makes it put it, you know, it gets you further down into a pattern. Create patterns in your life that you know that you can attain and stick to for the rest of your life. So, you know, like one a simple one is a pedometer. I have a pedometer on my phone, and you know, they say the the average steps one should take every day is ten thousand. That's to me, that's something that is very attainable for everybody. And it's something that you can measure because it's like, okay, what well, one day I, I, I can only do 8,000 at the minute, but there could be a time when I can do nine and I can do 10. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could walk to work. Like to me, that's something that is realistic. Set goals that are realistic because they are more likely to be held in your life for the rest of time mm-hmm. getting up at 6am it's not feasible you could do it once not twice don't do it 
maybe go to the gym in the evening or maybe, you know, walk home from work. Put activities, physical activities in your life that you can attain. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. Okay. All right. Do you have any? Um, No, not right now because um, (laughs) I, (laughs) I have, honestly, since I've had my daughter, I have struggled to maintain any consistency with the gym like I might be consistent for like maybe two two weeks and then I fall off again but I I also do feel like um when I was training a lot a few years ago I had a gym buddy so you know we would you know I had a gym buddy I had a PT um I'd see I'd see him once a week and I'd you know, meet up with my gym buddy and we we would train together. We would go running together and stuff like that. So I always had, um, or if it was even like my ex-husband, we would we would train together. He was very much about weights and stuff, not really much about cardio. So I could do my yeah. cardio, meet up, meet up with him afterwards and we'd do weights together and what have you. But I feel like that whole structure of support that I had, I don't have that anymore. So I, I, I feel like that's why I'm kind of struggling to kind of really get back into it and be consistent because I think essentially a lot of us know what we need to do you know we know what we need to do we know how we need to eat um but there's that kind of there's, there's that thing missing in between to kind of connect things up because I think I'd make a fantastic personal trainer I just don't look the part but I can tell you what to do <laughs> you know what I mean um, I think for me when I when I was at my best and I was you know there were times when I was training twice a day um my, my you know my diet was fantastic and I was just feeling good and amazing I think I definitely had a mindset shift um and because I'd got myself into a routine if I didn't yeah. train I felt awful like like my body was like whoa 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 what's going on you know yeah, and I'd yeah. be like I'd literally be egging to get back and and, you know whether it be running or training or doing something like that so I think adjusting your mindset is probably the biggest thing you can try and do before you can even you know you obviously have to start don't get me wrong but I feel like getting your mind right is is really absolutely it's all mindset it's all it's all my it really is that's that's the whole thing about you know when we was talking before about you know the treadmills having goals and stuff like that because it 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 shifts your mind your your mindset it's interesting that you say as well that you always used to train with somebody else well not always Um, but but at least there'll be at least once a week I'd be training with someone at least is that what you prefer or no I think I liked I, I I liked the mix up of it because also as well what I would do because I you know obviously you know like I think when you're training and you're doing what have you 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 tend to accumulate friends who do the same thing so I would even find yeah. myself traveling to East London to go and train with a friend who um you know was a fitness trainer instructor at Fitness First over there or another guy who who trains people in West London. Do you know what I mean? So it, it very much became yeah. um, a bit of a social thing too with me, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I'm getting to hang out with people that I actually like and, you know, and the, the, I'm getting the benefit of getting my body worked at the same time. That sounds a bit funny, isn't it? I didn't mean body works like that. I just meant like... <laughs> <laughs> in the it's, no, it's, I find it so, like, 
when I first started the the whole gym and stuff, I noticed that I would always have to go with somebody else. Mm-hmm. But when I was really, really into it, I would actually like if I trained with someone, I would prefer to train by myself first, which sounds really strange. Mm. But when you train with someone else, it's kind of like sometimes it's not it's not matched. Sometimes yeah. they can do more than you and it can just make it long. So you might not get the full. You can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think for me, and- because when it comes to things like gym and stuff um, and particularly with men, I'm quite competitive. So, yeah, I'm just going to be honest. I mean, my listeners know this anyway, but (laughs) I'm quite competitive. So if I was training with a guy or my ex-husband or what have you, um, obviously, because they'd naturally be stronger than me, like my thing was, I'm going to beat you. I'm not saying it out loud, but in my head, I'm like, you know. So for for me, when I was training, particularly with a guy, it was like, this is competition and because it's competition, this is going to push, make, it's going to make me go harder. But I, I absolutely do agree with you because sometimes you do just want to get in your zone, do what you need to do and leave. So yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I, hear, I hear that. Yeah. I hear that. Oh, I miss those days. Oh, I miss those <laughs> days. Now, do you know what? This conversation has really inspired me. I hope it can keep me inspired until, you know, so I can start maybe doing a run tomorrow. That'd be really, really well. Yeah, I mean, you've got your hour of exercise a day. Yes, That's not yes, been yes, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I've been I've been taking the mick of that because you know I've, there's me, I have a daughter, and I have a dog. So therefore, on a technicality, I'm entitled to my own walk. I have to, you know, supervise her because she's three. Yeah, to do her walk, yeah. and the dog needs walking too. So essentially, I can be getting out three times. <laughs> Three times a day. Do you know what's funny? Yeah, you know I don't know if it, like obviously I saw on social media that even myself I've seen people outside running who, who no offense they they look like they've never yeah. run yeah. run before. <laughs> mm-hmm. And although it's funny, I really kind of like it as yeah. well because yeah, it's like good for you. Ob- if that's like good for Absolutely. you, like you got to start somewhere, yeah. isn't it? And and and, and why not start now? You know, I was I was saying this to who was I saying this to the other day. Um, I think I was I was doing a live with um, a lady who had did like a, a detox program kind of thing because she had suffered from different ailments. And I was saying to her, I was like, you know, I feel like this is the time now, if you want to make any kind of improvements to your lifestyle, your health, if you if if you have the time to do it, now is the perfect time, you know? Yeah. And you're right, yeah. like I've I've never seen so many joggers everywhere in my life like you know you like you have your certain hot spots you know particularly around yeah. big parks and stuff like that you know you got your clapping to in or whatever straight and what have you but um but yeah it's like everywhere I'm just seeing people running so it is very inspiring that you know people are kind of and I think because of the pandemic as well people probably are feeling a bit more health conscious you know yeah. and yeah the time of year is nice because the sun's starting to come out so it's definitely um it's definitely a, a good they definitely are. You know, um, there's a there's a hurt there's um like um a shop I go to to get like my herbs, like my healthy herbs and stuff on Woolworth Road, and um, they never normally sell out like on their stuff. And I went to go get my bits, and it's like they have completely sold out wow, on everything. So definitely, I do think people are definitely looking into um 
their health more, which is which is a real positive. Absolutely, it's, it's a real positive. You know? That's a positive positive effect of it. One hundred percent. Okay, well, Jess, it's been so lovely to speak to you. This this chat has been a long time coming. I mean, um, Jess and I have met before. We've had coffee. We've had a long chat, you know, and we've got a few things up our sleeves that we kind of want to um, do together. So do stay posted. Now, um, where can the listeners find you? And could you also tell us about your affirmation products that you have? Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm mostly active on Twitter and that's um at figure eight PT. I I am on Instagram. I don't use it as much as I should, but I'm gonna try and change that. Um and that is at figure eight fitness on Instagram. In terms of my app- affirmation product, so if you look on my Instagram, there's a link to Etsy and I basically sell a range of affirmation items so for example I've got like um a mug which has a cup which has Jesse you are and it has beautiful cool smart sexy um and it's just like a cup um I also have like wall art with affirmations on them and I also have affirmation jars so one of one of my um jars is called affirm daily and it's basically for I wouldn't say for weight loss, but I would say for healthy living. So every day you take an affirmation out of the jar and um, and you say it. And on some of these affirmations, they have a task for you to do and complete. Oh, brilliant. And that lasts, yeah, that lasts for a month. Um, so a month worth of healthy affirmations. Yeah. Hope I've explained that. Yeah. All, all no, that sounded good. Yeah. And also you run a evening called Drink and Draw. I do, I do. Yes, let me talk about drink and draw. So, you know, you know, one thing that's really interesting, Dion, during this period, I mean, I sell colouring books um, through the drink and draw um, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Within the last few days, like, the colouring books have sold out. Wow. Like, certain, especially, like, the animal, the animal colouring books, they completely sold out. Um, I suppose... Now, where people are at home, they want to be able to do stuff indoors. Um, But Drink and Draw is basically um, a really fun event. So me and my friend um, and business partner, Mimi, we run it together. And it's she's the art teacher. um, So she does all of the sort of drawing techniques. And I do like some of the hosting, the alcohol Mm -hmm, and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, the alcohol. (laughs) Um, yeah, we're actually we're actually sorting out a live event. We were supposed to have a, a, an event at the end of April, but because obviously um, Corona and stuff, we're not able to do it. But we're actually in the process of doing a live event, so people can still buy tickets, and we'll send them out um, the notepads. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're going to send out the the um, a drink and draw package. So in that, you have your pencils your your colouring pencils, um a, a big A3 sketch pad, a colouring book and a cocktail in a can. Oh that's and brilliant. we're gonna run the event. Wow. Yeah, and we're gonna run the event live. So yeah, that'll be um in a couple of weeks. We just got a just we uh, we're just figuring out exactly how to use the app um which is which it's gonna be on. That's it. Right, yeah. okay, okay. 
Well, um, and, re- and we re- want you, Dion. Remember as well, we want you to 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 um definitely do a love laid bear special, um with drinking. Drawers. Yes, no, definitely. We did we did kind of have a date in the diary, but again with the old Miss Rona taking over the place. We're gonna we've had yeah. to push that back a bit, but yeah, no, definitely, guys. When that um when the tickets come out for that, I will definitely let you know. Um, so do you have a separate page for Drink and Draw? Yep, so Drink and Draw is um, Instagram and it's at Drink and Draw UK. Sorry, at Drink and Draw underscore UK. Fantastic. Okay, so um, if anyone has any just general questions about maybe weight loss or your story or anything like that, can they contact you? Is that okay? Yeah, definitely. Um, con- best way to contact me would be so social media mm-hmm. i mean you can have my email which is st john sharp at googlemail.com but social media you know it, it, it it's quicker because yeah. i use mm-hmm. it more yeah so if i see a dm it's like i can message back quickly brilliant yeah okay well jess thank you so much for coming on to lovely bear um uh, guys let me tell you a quick story actually because they know how i am about synchronicity and stuff like that um mm-hmm. I came, I don't know how I ended up seeing Jess. I don't know if it, I think it might have been on Twitter, perhaps. I can't remember where it was. And in my mind, I was like, oh, you know, I think she'd be really good for the show. I'm going to contact her. And I never did, but it was always like, I'd like, I'd see her picture on maybe Twitter or something and be like, ah, oh, do you know what? I must remember to DM her to ask her to come on the show. Mm-hmm. And then do you know what happened, guys? Guess what happened? She DM'd me. <laughs> like, just, just, just look at that. And, and honestly, Jess is an absolute ray of sunshine. Like, we sat down speaking. Oh, do you know what I mean? We sat down speaking, we had coffee and hot chocolate and whatever. And like, literally, if we didn't have to leave, we probably wouldn't i know do you know what there was no <laughs> clock in that room there was no there was no time in yeah. there it didn't feel like it was time like it just felt like i don't know it felt like i could talk to you all Dang, day I know, wasn't yeah. it yeah it was it, no honestly it's, it, it was so honestly, nice i came away thinking oh my gosh that poor lady i hope i didn't talk her ear off no but come on like everyone knows that i can talk <laughs> That's what you anyway, so you know <laughs> yeah it's like, so that, i love that day yeah that it was, was it was day. wasn't it it was it was such a lovely yeah. day oh okay guys well um as always if there was anything you were affected by um in this episode you know feel free as you know you can dm dm me on lovely on lovely bit obviously facebook instagram twitter the email address is lovelybear at gmail.com Jess has also given her details as well. So if you want more, um, maybe a more tailored response on something specific, then feel free to contact Jess. Um, I'm trying to think if there's what I could maybe recommend in terms of resources. Um... When you say recommends, what what do you mean? Oh, okay. Like- so, you know, basically um, on the website, I've got a resources page where I have a list of support services. So whether it be depression, anxiety, suicide, um, you know. Oh, so there's a few. You could, um, they've the NHS, that's a, that's a good one. They've got some good stuff on, for is it for weight loss and stuff? Yeah. Or- well, yeah, just, yeah, I'm trying to think of, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. So, um change for life that's another one they've got like health like health tips on there change mm-hmm. for life um god i'm trying to think i know them they're at the top of my head 
Okay, um, well, if you if you if you can if you if you remember them, if you can send me a message, and then I can add that onto the resource yeah. page, so people can yeah. um can can go there or what have you, um because I won't be putting any weight loss um Weight Watchers or any of that stuff on there. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna keep they've it. They've got one. They've got. Oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna find. They've got a really good one, um, which is called Park Walk. I can't, I'll have to find the link, but basically, in every borough they have a, a free group that meets for to go for walks oh, in the park and stuff. okay yeah so I'll find it and I'll send it to you because that will be a good one for free mm. it's, it comes under it's like linked to the NHS as well so okay fantastic all right then guys well um we're coming to the end now um please leave your feedback like subscribe share with your friends if you think um this episode will resonate with anyone else um Yes, and you know, take care of yourselves during this period. Um, it isn't it isn't easy. Um, and like we said at the top of the hour, you know, um, circumstances for everyone is different. So if you are struggling, just just know that this is not forever. Just try and hold out as much as you can. But if you need the support, again, our resources page. You've got every different type of support service that you can imagine. And even if you want to speak to me, you guys know you can reach out. So. Um, Jess, thank you very much again. It was a pleasure. I hope to have you back again very soon. Um, and guys, as always, I love you and take care of yourself. And it's a wrap. Love laid bare. If you love this episode and know someone who could really benefit from hearing this talk, please share. And whilst you're there, leave me a review. I'd be forever grateful. Help me build awareness and raise consciousness one conversation at a time. Listen on Spotify, SoundCloud, CastBox and Apple Podcasts.